All right, tonight, let's open our Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Tonight, we're going to talk about first things. You know, uh, when I think about first things, these are some of the things that the apostles wanted the church to know first. So, uh, I was surprised to see how many firsts were in the New Testament. So... I'm going to be reading out of the New King James tonight, uh, but seek first, I like that, you might want to circle it, 633, Matthew 633, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, both of them. What I like about seeking first the kingdom of God is when you think about a kingdom, you think about everything that the, is, that the king oversees. Seek first everything that the king oversees. Everything that's in his kingdom. All that's under his rule. Because we are subjects of Jesus' kingdom. And because we are subjects of Jesus' kingdom, he says, seek first my kingdom. Because everything in the kingdom, uh, I just want you to understand that a kingdom has within provision. Provision for all the different things, all the different aspects of, just like the United States. There's provision in the United States. There's farmers, there's, there's marketers, there's, I mean, on and on and on. Organize, all these different businesses and they all interlink in such a way that there's commerce, there's trade, there's, there's the buying and the selling in the kingdom. It says, first, seek the kingdom. Of course, we enter the kingdom through the king. So, seek the kingdom. And... Then it says, and don't forget to seek his righteousness. So there's a correlation between taking things from the kingdom, what is in the kingdom, and seeking Jesus' righteousness. There's a connection. The and is the connection. Are you with me? Okay? So the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The word seek is try... It means in the definition to try to get or reach something one desires. Everything that is in Jesus' kingdom under his authority is to fulfill every desire that he has put inside of you. All the desires that you ever will truly ever need and really want. Because it's, it's seeking out what was lost, see, is in Jesus' kingdom. And I would even venture to say, this is free, I would venture to say, as you experience the kingdom, you experience the king. Okay, well, I can keep going since you guys want more. What is a king? It is the kingdom. It is his domain. 
I have it on the screen. It's his district or his rule. I want you to understand that between the desires and seeking righteousness like Jesus is righteous and the, and the, the desires of our heart, for kingdom desires, the rule of God will fall on your life. The rule of God will fall on your life. Oh, come on. He, just, tell, just tell me that Jesus hasn't answered one of your prayers. Jesus hasn't directed you in any certain way. I can tell you that um, uh, my spiritual son's not here, but, so I'll pick on him. Uh, but I can say that my spiritual daughter was seeking a righteous man, a holy man. She was praying. What happened? She was seeking Jesus and, and righteousness, and it fell. That, that desire of her heart fell under Jesus' domain. Are, are, you, are you hearing me tonight? I'm telling you, I'll, I'll just use my example. I'm, I'm doing a ministry session, uh, to, uh, ministering to my future wife who I di did not know and the spirit of the Lord spoke to me in the middle of the ministry session and says this one will be your wife this this is your wife I'm in the middle of it I'm in the king's rule I'm in I'm operating under the power of the king's rule and then he speaks to me and gives me a desire I'm telling you, church, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And tell me a year from now that some of your, some of your desires have not already been fulfilled. I'm, I'm telling you. If he'll do it for, if he'll do it for Megan, he'll do it for all of us. First Corinthians 15, the second one tonight. First thing is to preach. Deliver unto you, first of all, and then the gospel. First Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Preach the gospel, the first thing. Listen to what it says. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. I declare to you the gospel. But watch, watch this. Which I preach to you, which also you have received, and in which you stand. You can see what we just got done talking about already in that scripture. By which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. And here it comes. Here it is. For I deliver to you first. I deliver to you first of all that which I also received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Paul says, the very first thing that I preached is what I actually received. And what did I receive first? Christ the Messiah, 
Christ crucified, Christ resurrected, Christ ascended. The very first thing that I received, first, first things, he says, I received it and I now am sharing it all with you. All of it. I'm sharing it with you. This is what this is what the ministry, the pulpit, the fivefold ministry is to do, is to share and impart the gospel so that it will benefit. So everything, all your desires, all the things that you want to achieve in Christ Jesus come through the preaching of the gospel, seeking the kingdom, seeking his righteousness, all those things, all the, all, everything. That's why I'm, I'm trying to stir this church up in the gifts of the Spirit because it will fulfill you. Angela's over there praying. The Holy Spirit's back there answering to me her prayer. That's church. That's church. People getting words of knowledge or, or words for the house. That's church. People seeing financial, financial lack in individuals and saying, God, see, when you get a prophecy about financial lack, the first thing that should ring your bell is God sees my checkbook. He sees. And he wants to answer. So you continue to do the scriptural things according to money, and then what else do you do? You pray until it comes to pass. I agree with you, God. I agree. I stand on that prophetic word. I want, I, I know. See, the very... To deliver means to pass on traditional instruction. There are certain traditions in the gospel that must be passed on from generation to generation that can never change. We call them the doctrines of the faith. We teach first principles passed on from generation to generation. Often implied over a period of time. It takes time. It took the disciples three and a half years of walking with Jesus. And we also know from scripture that it wasn't until he, he was resurrected and visited them 40 days. Did they fully understand the whole message. I mean come on. Sometimes it takes supernatural encounter to ring your bell. Sometimes somebody just has to walk up and just drop a prophecy on you and you go, whoa, why, why was I so dull? You know? It's instruction. It's teaching to formally impart authoritative teaching. I mean, we're just not teaching a gospel. We're teaching a gospel with authority. Imparting authority and power. It's not the same. 
You know, the thing is, is two people can be sitting in the same, in the same seat, right, or in the same, in the same service, right next to each other, one understanding the authority and power that's being released, and the other one not catching a thing. It's called weed and tear. It doesn't make the service any, to one, they walk out of there spiritually satisfied. To the other, they walk out empty. No touch, no revelation, no understanding, no, prog no progression towards that day of salvation. Nothing. First thing to do. What is the first thing we should do? Well, when we're seeking the king, we're seeking the righteousness, we're seeking the kingdom, we're sharing the gospel, Paul says, partake of it. Be a partaker of that. Are you good? I'm going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6. He says this, the hardworking farmer must be first. There is a provision in seeking the king, seeking the things of the kingdom, seeking the king's righteousness, preaching the gospel. There is a provision for you receiving the blessing first. Why? Because you've sown You've reaped, you've watered, you've planted, you've done these things. You're the one gathering the harvest. You're the one that actually sowed the seed. You're the one that actually watered the seed. You're the one that actually uh, uh, took care of the crop. And actually when the crop came, you're the one that harvested the crop. It's all, it's all in you. Or you don't understand. Let me explain it to you. When you, sow the when you sow the seed of the gospel and you water the seed in the gospel in people's lives and you sow or you reap what the, what the gospel is saying, there is a blessing, a spiritual touch from the kingdom that comes upon you. It is inside. It gives, it fulfills you. It does things for you. You're a partaker. It means to receive one's share. You don't have to wait for it. When the harvest comes, you receive your share from the king. It's his kingdom. Oh, come on. You know, we, 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 have a, we, we go through these seasons in our life where we have this job and we've got this, this, this trial and We've got all this stuff going on, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, church, in these situations where things are tough, you know, to be a school teacher right now or to be a to whatever profession, we got a couple teachers in the room, they're, they're working, they're doing three times the work that they did last year before COVID. It's your season. I'm telling you, you'll have a harvest. 
But you're going to have to plant. And you're going to have to water. And you're going to have to watch the crop. Because without it, the crop will just go wild. It'll die. Whatever. But you will receive a blessing from the Lord. To share or to receive a share in. The farmer who has done the hard work should have the first of the harvest. That's the mentality of the kingdom of heaven. That's why Jesus says, go out and preach the word. Why? Because he wants to bless you for doing it. Yes, sometimes we don't get the results that we want. But that doesn't matter. I am out sowing the word. At best, I understand that 25% of the word is going to fall on good soil. And then even the good soil has its portions. See, he goes to sow. So you have to go out and sow. And then you have to water it. The, the, the thing, you have to continually water what is becoming fruitful. You need to protect it. Watch over it. That's why, that's why they call pastors of the church shepherds. I'm to sow seed to you. Instruct you in kingdom realities. So that you can, so it can water you and you can, you can go do the same. Okay. First thing in worship. I wonder how many times we've thought about this. First thing in worship. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. It says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought, before I enter in, I can't hold it any longer. <laughs> have you ever thought about, you're going to wreck your worship service if you walk in here at odds with your brother or sister? You're not going to get what you really need in the worship service. You may get a little touch and all this, but you, you needed more. You always need. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that, you, that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Offer your gift. Reconciled actually means to be with to be at peace. So I get this I get this little note on my door, you know. It's my next door neighbor. My dog was barking the other night, and the neighbor didn't like all the barking. So when I woke up in the morning, I, there's this note on the door. 
and said, hey, would you please take care of your dog and all this stuff like this, you know? And, and it, was, it was written in a way that it could be kind of offensive, you know? And I felt something when I go, mm, mm, just rise up in me. I go, oh, no, no, no. The Bible says be at peace with your neighbor. Be at peace with your neighbor. So, so I leave the note on the coffee table. My wife says, what's this? She grabs it. I say, hey, Lee, I felt that too. Be at peace. Be at peace. <laughs> you know how you can write a note and, you know, hasn't come over to introduce themselves or anything. You know, we've been, we're, we're probably one of the longest residing people in the neighborhood. And anyways, my point was, is I could have wrecked my day. I could have wrecked my Bible study when I woke up to let the dogs out and, and, and took offense. I wouldn't have got, I wouldn't have got that still small voice when I read the Bible. I wouldn't have been able to enter into that presence when it was time to turn on the worship music. You see what I'm talking about, church? First things first, right? In worship. Let's get squared away before we go into worship. That's my point. All right. I, we'll move on. Let's go to Matthew 23. And we're going to look at verse 26. Jesus says, blind Pharisees, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. It's pretty straightforward, right? Cleanse first that which is within. Cleanse that first. Okay? We're going we're gonna, to, this is a, a point that goes on to the next point. But I want, you, I want us to understand that there's things inside of us that we need to be continually dealing with. And Paul says, or uh, Jesus uh, says, first. First thing in life. Deal with us, okay? Because I know that if, if Doug is dealing with his stuff, I can receive better from him because I know that he's dealing with his stuff. You see what I'm talking about? We're pursuing the right things. We're doing the right stuff. Now, how, how would it be if I was completely rude to Doug all the time? Angry. He probably would say, hey, I love your brother, but, I, you know... I'm not going to receive from you. Okay? It talks about the dirt, the filth, unwanted substances. Everything this world has to, has to offer is unwanted. It, it, it ends up being empty. That's why Jesus says, I can put my faith in no man. Foxes have holes, he says in that scripture verse. Foxes have, have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. There's no peace or rest 
because this world is unwanted to him. He doesn't, there's no desirous thing in this world. That's why Jesus says, seek first me. I will give you the desires that you need to make it through. First thing, in holiness. We know the scripture in Luke 6.42 about the beam, the plank, the speck in one, your brother's eye, and the plank in the other, in your eye. You know, I'm trying, I'm trying to correct something in my wife when, she, when really I've got something going on that she's given me all kinds of grace about. And I'm trying to deal with that. And she's going, wow, maybe you should look in the mirror, you know. <laughs> I'm using me as an example tonight. I live at peace 99% of the time at the house. I have my one argument or two a month or a year. A year. A slip. That was definitely a slip. It was not a prophetic unction at all. See, my point here is how can we offer our services to our brothers and sisters to pull out the speck from their eye, which requires a good eye. Don't we have to have a good eye? Don't I want to see Preston for, for, with the eyes of Jesus? I want to look at I want to look at my brothers and my sisters from the good from a good eye, and there's only one good eye. I can promise you, all other all of us are blinded to something. But only through the eyes of Jesus can we look and see the good in people. Only. It requires a good eye to go after somebody's sin. You've got to see God's best in them is what I'm talking about. I don't want to talk too much about your sin. I want to talk 90% on God, what God's best is for you. Yes, you're a powerful man of God. Yes, you're this, you're that. Je you know Jesus, is, he's, he's brought you here. He's touched you. Remember all the things he's done for you. You want to be speaking the best over them. You want to be releasing prophecy over them. It takes a good hand. A good hand. Hand a lot of times in the New Testament is power. A lot of times, the Holy, if we just allow the Holy Spirit to pull the speck or the plank or whatever it is, if we let the Holy Spirit do that, just let the Holy Spirit, you say it. <laughs> you say it. Unfortunately, sometimes we're the filter. And we can filter things out the wrong way. Are you guys getting anything? Let's, uh, let's read 2 Corinthians here. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves. Wow, check that out. I believe this is kind of entering into the money chapter 
in Corinthians about giving and things like that? What did they do? What did these people do first, though, before they did any type of worship? They first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Verse 6. No, we'll stop there. First gave their own selves to the Lord. So what we give or bestow for charitable uses will not be accepted by God unless we first give ourselves to the Lord. That's our first requirement. Before you can bring your, and here it is, before you can bring your offering and your tithe to the Lord, you have to present yourself first. Come on. And you know what? If you've had a bad week, it's time to just put up the confession sign. Don't, don't let your neighbor know about it. And you just say, heaven, I'm confessing. I'm presenting myself. I'm giving myself first. Before I, before I encourage a brother, before I give money to the Lord, before I raise my hand in worship, before I read, uh, sit and partake of the word of God corporately, I give myself first to the Lord. If we don't, it's not that God's not going to bless, but how much more, as how much more like Christ can we become? That's my point. This whole message is about us becoming like him. Okay? But the scriptures tell us, do these things first, and good things will start to happen to you. Do these things first. Just follow the word. Just, just, just see this stuff in the word and say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to text Pastor Bruce, and I'm going to ask him for this message, and I'm going to put this in. I'm going to work on this. You know, I have ulterior motives here. And my motives are, is that I want, I want to see Jesus Christ glorified in you. Or I'd be out of here. You know, I want to I hear, hear a wife's testimony. Oh, my husband's changed. Yeah, Jesus, you bring it. First Timothy chapter two, please. First Timothy chapter two. We're going to read verses one and two. <laughs> Listen to what Paul says. He tells Timothy, "Therefore, so whenever there's a therefore, you have to look behind you to see what it's there for. So you have to go back to chapter one." And find out why Paul is actually telling Timothy, therefore, Timothy, I exhort, oh, here it comes, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Oh, oh, boy, that is a dagger in the heart. 
all men. Yes, Republicans, you pray for Democrats. Democrats, you pray for Republicans. You pray for all men. All men. Even that neighbor that gave me the note. We pray for all. I don't get to pray for who I want to pray. First, I exhort you. You know what the word exhort means, Zena? The exhort means, hey, Timothy, there's going to be something in you that is not wanting to do this. So I have to exhort you to do it. I have to encourage you. Oh, come on. You know that boss that's always, you know, that needs, needs about 26 character changes every day? You know, that employee that works for you that is the constant, that is the constant uh, um, thorn in your flesh? Come on. None of, I know none of you guys have any of that in your life. But me? No, I'm saying all men, pray for them, for kings. And then he talks about government. We should be praying for our president. Matter of fact, don't let me get off this pulpit before we all stand and pray together for President Trump because we need, we need him healed in Jesus' name. For kings and for all in authority, all in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Are, are you kidding me? If the church would absolutely worldwide do this, do you th are you telling me, Paul, there's a good possibility that God would bring peace to governments, bring peace to situations? That's the word of God. But he's saying all, pray, all pray for all. Paul did not give us a prescribed prayer here, okay? However, we have the scriptures, and we have the Holy Spirit. We have the scriptures that we can stand on in prayer, and we have the unction of the Holy Spirit to pray scripturally and to, and to pray accordingly. We have, we have the Spirit, and we have the Word. In other words, what I'm telling you is, is that Paul, Paul is telling Timothy, this is going to be powerful, Timothy. Powerful. If there's any type of prayer going on, we need to be praying right now these last 30 days. We want to give, we want to give thanks for our leaders, okay? We want to pray for their welfare. So today we're going to pray. We're going to be thankful for our president corporately today. We're going to pray for his welfare, his healing. We need to pray for the welfare of the United States. And we need to ask God, God, we're going to pray this way so that we may receive the blessing of peace. All right. <clears throat> I'm going to, this is it. Last one. This is a good one here. Sec not that they're all, they're all good to me. 
It's like Charlotte when she was teaching today. Ooh, I really enjoyed my Bible study. You know, I really enjoyed putting this message together. She's starting to go like this, and things were happening. Just teasing her. She did a good job, is my point. <clears throat> Second Peter chapter 1. And so we have, now, now, now watch this, watch this. So we have the prophetic word confirmed. Now we're talking about, we're talking about the transfiguration of Jesus on the mountain. Peter and John and, and um, um, James were there, and they were watching. They were watching this transfiguration, and Peter's writing about this. He's writing about it. Matter of fact, let's just back up just for a second and go to verse verse sixteen. Verse 16 and 17, I believe I wrote in here, is what Paul, what Peter is referencing. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus. Now, they had read about this in the Old Testament. They had read all the prophecies of the Old Testament. They had seen all the different areas the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. They saw the crucifixion. They saw everything in the word. This is what he's talking about. We didn't, we, this, isn't, this isn't some clever, clever scheme here. But we were eyewitnesses, he says. We were eyewitnesses. Not, not, not only to the to the, uh, to the glorification of Jesus and hearing the Father say, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. That, wasn't so, that was in play, but he was, he's referring to, yes, not only did we see that, but we were, we were in the revelatory understanding of the prophetic scriptures of the Old Testament right before our eyes. Right before our eyes. Not only am I witnessing the glorification of Jesus Christ and all the fullness of his glory, but everything now is flooding into my mind going, whoa, I've read all this and this is that. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. We talked about the different excellent glory. There's excellence. That's when heaven has full control of everything. That's when, that's when the Bible says it's excellent. There's the glory, and then there's the excellence. Remember we talked about that about four or six weeks ago? <clears throat> This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now look what he says. And so we have the prophetic word, verse 19, confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place, which the day dawns and the morning star arises in your heart. Knowing this first, that's what he's saying. What I just got done explaining is now he's saying, 
And to know this first, the glorification of Jesus, the ascension, all the prophetic writings of the Old Testament. Then he says, now Peter says, now know this first. Know what first, Peter? That no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. Whoa. It comes right out of the glory. It comes right out of the Father's mind. So we say, I'm an eyewitness. I'm an eyewitness. And there's not one prophetic thing that ever came out of the interpretation of a man. This came straight out of the Father. I was, I'm on the mountain. I stood on the mountain as a, as a witness. And I'm writing to you, and I want you to know this first. For prophecy never came by the will of man, Peter said. But holy men of God spoke. You know he's testifying to Jesus. He's testifying to the Old Testament saints. He's testifying. No man. They came from holy men. Holy men of God spoke as they were moved. Now I'm going to, I'm going to, Peter, thank God for Peter, but I, Peter, I think you wrote the wrong. You should have wrote as they were overtaken. As they were overtaken, they were moved. I mean, <clears throat> I, I don't know if you guys understand what this really means, but I watched the Holy Spirit overtake my wife and to supernaturally write a description of Ephesians chapter 1 in less than 15 seconds. And it was done. She went like this. The Holy Spirit grabbed her, and he jerked her up. She went over there, and she just read the whole chapter like this, and then the up and over and down and blah, blah, blah. And then the Spirit left. He, he lifted I'm thinking, you know, I've seen, I've seen comas and I've seen a lot of different things pop open in prayer at the hospitals and different things. But, whoa, this was something else. You think they just sat down and told stories at the campfire? I, I don't think so. Oh, no, nah, you got that story wrong, James. This is, you know, this is Peter. Those guys were over. Taken. That's what Peter's saying. I didn't write this epistle. The old, the Old Testament, the Old Testament prophets, they didn't write. The Spirit of the Lord overtook them. Did you guys get anything tonight? Amen. Why don't we stand?